Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sabbath practice. My name is John Mark. I'm Christian. And I'm Yinka. And we want to introduce you to an ancient practice from the way of Jesus that has become an anchor for our life with God and each other. Every Friday night, our two families, along with a small community we call Ken, gather together at our home. We sit down at the table, light a few candles, open in prayer, and enter into Sabbath. It's usually the highlight of our week, a time of joy and gratitude and relational connection and time in the quiet. Over the next four sessions, we invite you to step out of the hurry, busyness and overload of life in the modern world and into the peace and rest of God through the practice of Sabbath. Sabbath is a 24-hour time period in which we stop all work and set aside a day to rest, delight, and worship. Sabbath is not a silver bullet but it is a practice that has transformed our life with God and with each other. When we began to Sabbath, it was a before-after kind of turning point in our formation. This can be more than a new practice for you. It can be a new beginning. And this practice is designed to be done in community. Each session, you'll gather together for teaching and conversation, but you won't just talk about the Sabbath. You'll go out and practice the Sabbath. And then come back together for the next session and debrief your experience. Each session is interactive. It'll begin with a conversation in triads, three or so people, that you'll journey with over the next four sessions. For the first session, we invite you to talk about what you're thinking and feeling as you come into your first Sabbath. Here are a few questions for you in your triad. Number one, what's your current understanding of the Sabbath? Number two, is the Sabbath a part of your life currently or not? And number three, what thoughts and feelings do you have going into the Sabbath practice? Take a few minutes to discuss, and then we'll be back with the teaching. Flip through any popular magazine and you will see all sorts of advertisements. A couple drinking coffee and reading the morning newspaper in bed, a man lounging on the couch and playing the guitar, a group of friends on the beach for a picnic. What exactly are they selling? They are selling Sabbath. The word Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew, and it literally means to stop or cease or be done. The marketing departments of companies the world over know that you ache for this kind of a life, but that you don't have it. And they are offering to sell it to you. The irony is you can't buy Sabbath and you don't need to. To Sabbath, you don't need to drop $69.99 on a new terry cloth bathrobe or sell your kidney to buy a new couch. You just need to stop. This primal human ache for a life of Sabbath for what the spiritual writer Marva Dawn called a Sabbath spirituality, a life where we have margin to breathe and be at peace in God and live with joy together. This ache is nothing new. It goes all the way back to Jesus. 
One of Jesus' most famous invitations is from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love the pastor Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired has become a rhetorical question in the modern era. Of course we are, isn't everyone? Low-grade exhaustion is the new normal. Now, part of the reason for this is body-based. Up until very recently in human history, most people slept 10 to 11 hours a night. Now the average in Western nations is just around six. Cue all the latest research from neuroscientists on the devastating effect of insufficient sleep on our mind and our body. We are diminished in our whole person because we are so tired. But it's not just our bodies that are tired. It is, in Jesus' language, our souls. Even when we go on vacation and catch up on sleep and have a little R&R, there is a psycho-spiritual exhaustion that does not go away in the modern world. As a result of things like the hurry and busyness and frenetic pace of modern life, the noise pollution of the city, the always-on 24-7 email-from-home work culture, the rising cost of living with more and more people working multiple jobs just to stay afloat or the side hustle to pay for the mortgage, the digital age, the phone that never stops buzzing, the constant churn of alerts, the stream of 24-7 news full of outrage and fear, the polarization of politics. It's just too much for most of us to carry. It is not an easy yoke. Is it any wonder we're so tired? And this problem of chronic exhaustion isn't just an emotional problem. At its core, it is a spiritual problem. Why? Because we follow Jesus, who said the greatest commandment in all of Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. For Jesus, love is the telos of the spiritual journey. It's the end goal. It's what it's all about. Therefore, love is the metric by which we chart our progress. But the more exhausted we are, the more difficult it is for us to love or to bear any of what the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit. As Jesus himself said, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The hard truth is, one, it's very difficult to love God when we're tired. If love for God and obedience to God are two sides of the same coin, as Jesus seemed to teach, the more tired we are, the more prone we are to sin. 
Scientists tell us that a lack of rest erodes energy from our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that exercises impulse control or what the New Testament calls self-discipline. But secondly, too, it's hard to love people. As a general rule, tired people are not loving. Most of my worst moments as a human, as a friend, as a coworker, a husband, or father are when I'm exhausted, stressed out, and in a hurry. I am more irritable, impatient, selfish. It's like I've devolved down Maslow's hierarchy of needs to my base survival instincts. It's just about me and what I want and what I need. I began the weekly practice of Sabbath 15 long years ago. At the time, I was church planting and working six or even seven days a week straight, long hours, and I was under a ton of stress. And I noticed that year over year, I was becoming less loving, not more. And I was the pastor of the church. I was running on anger and on edge. I was worn thin. I did not have the energy to be present to my family, to my life, or even to my God. The practice of Sabbath changed the trajectory of my life. It was a before-after kind of seam moment in my spiritual journey. I will devote myself to this practice for the rest of my life because for me, without it, I simply cannot live and love even close to the way of Jesus. If you are, like Jesus said, tired and burned out on religion, like I was, you don't have to live this way. Jesus' will for your life is not for you to be chronically exhausted, sleep-deprived, and living with zero margin. That's the enemy's will for your life, not Jesus. It's the enemy who is anti-Sabbath. Here's a metaphor that may be helpful. Imagine your life energy as kind of like a power bar on your phone. 100% is what Jesus called life and life to the full. 0% is dead. We usually don't rest until we're dangerously tired, down to 30 or 20 or 10%. And when we do rest, it's often not long enough or deep enough to get all the way back up to full, but just to kind of get solvent, to keep going. But what do we miss out on in that last 30%? What the New Testament calls the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and more. The best stuff all comes when we're rested. This is why rest is essential to apprenticeship to Jesus. Because if the end goal of an apprentice is to become a person of love in God, we can't do that if we are chronically exhausted. So, is there a practice from the way of Jesus to reorient us away from the exhaustion of our world and toward life to the full? Yes, it is the practice of Sabbath. The word Sabbath or Shabbat in Hebrew, as I said, literally means to stop, but it can also mean to rest, to delight, or even to worship. Based on that, you can frame the Sabbath in four movements, stop, rest, delight, and worship. The plan is to cover each movement over the next four sessions. All we want to cover in session one is to stop. If you have your Bible with you, open it up to Genesis chapter 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, or the word there is he Sabbathed. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested, he Sabbathed from all the work of creating that he had done. Notice, God Sabbathed. I've read this passage since I was a kid, but I remember the first time it hit me, God Sabbathed. You're thinking, yeah, but you know, I'm type A, I'm a high capacity person, God Sabbath. Yeah, but I have little kids at home and I'm starting a business and God Sabbathed. God, the creator, stopped, said, I'm finished. And in doing so, he built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. We work for six days and then we Sabbath, we stop for one. It comes as no surprise that every single society in the history of world civilization has been built around a seven-day week, even though it's the one unit of time that is not tied to the movement of the stars. The day is tied to the Earth's 24-hour rotation, the month to the moon's lunar cycle, and the year to the Earth's journey around the sun. The seven-day week is not. It's built out of God's own life rhythm. The last time a serious attempt was made to change the seven-day week was in 1793 in the French Revolution, where the government attempted a 10-day week to up productivity. The result? Productivity plummeted, and worse, there was a rash of suicides and a spread of mental illness. Our generation is reliving the French Revolution all over again, not due to a government fiat to elongate the week, but to a kind of vast conspiracy of modern life that is throwing us out of any kind of rhythm at all. The smartphone, electricity, the alarm clock, the car, so much more have created a world where we go and we go and we go and we never stop. But God created the human body and the planet itself to live in a rhythm. There is a rhythm between day and night, waking and sleeping. There is a rhythm between the noise and activity of spring and summer and the quiet and dormancy of fall and winter. There is a tidal rhythm between the land and the sea that is over all the earth. Within our own bodies, there is a rhythm of the breath as we inhale and exhale. When we lose this sense of rhythm, of pace, of back and forth, we lose a part of our humanity. You are not a machine. You are a soul. And you were not created to move 24-7. When we live without Sabbath, we go against the rhythm that God, the creator, built into our body and into the fabric of creation itself. And as the philosopher H.H. Farmer once said, when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. This is true on the negative side. When you don't Sabbath, you suffer the consequences, burnout, stress, a trashed immune system, brain fog, frayed relationships, a felt sense of distance from God. But it's also true on the positive side. When we do Sabbath, we reap the reward. More recently, a medical study was done on a large community of Christians who practice the Sabbath at a very serious level. This study found that not only are they much happier on average than the general population, but they live, wait for it, 11 years longer than the average person. One doctor pointed out that if you add up the time devoted to Sabbath over a lifespan, it's around 11 years. He theorized that for every day you Sabbath, you literally add a day back to your life. My point is, 
This six and one rhythm is built into the fabric of God's world. Just like gravity or thermodynamics, if you fight it, you will face the consequences. Which is why later in scripture, it's commanded by God. If your Bible is still open, turn to Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he Sabbathed, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath isn't just a good idea. It's one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the longest of all ten. If you were to make a pie chart, it's around 37%. In God's economy, it is just as important or more so than not lying or stealing or killing. And it's the only commandment that we brag about breaking. Even in the moral decay of the West, few people brag about how many lies they told that week or how many affairs they had, yet many of us brag about how many days in a row we worked or how many emails we did over the weekend or just how in demand we are because busyness is a sign of social status, of how high up the hierarchy we are. But this is not the economy and it's not the way of Jesus. Now, Christians have long debated whether or not the Sabbath is still a binding command on followers of Jesus, and there are good people on both sides of the conversation. But for me, asking whether we have to keep the Sabbath or not is about as helpful as asking if we have to keep the second law of thermodynamics. We can work with it or against it, but it just is. Even if the Sabbath command is no longer binding, it still stands as wisdom, as as something built into the fabric of creation. Lots of things aren't commanded in Scripture, but they are essential to becoming a person of love. As the writer Wayne Mueller put it, the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement from some law-giving deity. You ought, you better, you must, but rather a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded in the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are and the rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. Jesus famously said in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. He was speaking to a generation that had the opposite problem to ours. They had hundreds of rules and regulations around the Sabbath that warped God's intent behind the day. First century Jews needed to hear the second half of that line. The Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. But I would argue most 21st century Christians need to hear the first part. The Sabbath was made for people. Our problem isn't that we have too many rules for the Sabbath. It's that we don't have any at all. Long before the Sabbath is a command in Scripture, it is a gift from the Creator to you and me and all of creation, from a generous, joyful, loving, wise God with good intentions toward you, a God that Jesus called the Lord of the Sabbath. Hence the command to remember the Sabbath day. What exactly is it that we remember on the seventh day? We remember that there is a creator God 
This is our Father's world. We live in it. We breathe his oxygen. We eat his food. And this world is good. We remember there's a rhythm to creation. We remember that we don't stop when we're finished because we're never finished. We stop when the rhythm God built into our bodies says, enough, stop. We remember that we're not what we do or what we have or what other people think of us. We are who we are deeply loved by. Many people fear stopping. They fear Sabbath because they fear what emotions may come up. Who am I if I'm not producing or performing? Sabbath is a weekly act of identity formation where we remember I am God's daughter, I am God's son, and I am deeply loved. We remember that our life with God, it's not a right, it's a gift. That the world is full of evil and injustice, yes, but it's also full of goodness and beauty. We remember that we owe it to God to be grateful and joyful with him in his world. You see, Sabbath is more than just a day. It is a way of being in the world. The practice of Sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our life, a practice by which we undergo a dramatic shift from restlessness to restfulness, from a life of hurry to margin, from burnout to living at a sustainable pace, from noise to quiet, from distraction and chaos to clarity, from grasping to gratitude, from anxiety to peace, from attempting to control our life in vain to trust in God. Do you see it? But Sabbath isn't just an aspirational idea. It is a practice. It's what the psychologist James Clear calls a keystone habit out of which so many other good habits flow. Sabbath, like all of the practices, is a means to an end. The end isn't to say, I practice Sabbath, check the box. It's not even to be well-rested or even to be happy. It's to participate in the love and life of the Trinity, to center our entire life around God, to live more deeply in Him, not just on the Sabbath, but all week long. As the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann said, people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. That's why the Sabbath is on day seven and not on day three or four. It's not a break in the middle of the week so we can get back to the real business of life, work. It's the apex, what the entire week is all leading up to. You do not have to live a Sabbathless life of nonstop exhaustion. You Right where you are, your stage of life, your personality, your reality, you can adopt the practice of Sabbath. And you don't have to buy it or order it online. All you have to do is stop. Now it's time to have a conversation about the teaching. Circle up with your group and talk through the following three questions. Number one, what stuck out to you from that teaching? Was there scripture or thought that especially resonated with you? Number two, is Sabbath a part of your current life rhythm or not? 
Number three, what are the obstacles that get in the way of practicing Sabbath, either practically or emotionally? Take a few minutes for conversation. My name's Gabriel. This is my wife, Tiffany. There's a certain just uh, moment that consistently I share with, with the Father, with the Spirit of God, that is feeling just a deep sense of contemplation where there's that actual like felt experience on this side where I see Him looking at me and taking delight as I take delight in Him. And that's that very hard to explain sort of category of just choosing to believe that Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected, and how that love even still now flows into that space and time, and what that means if I actually take those thoughts to believe and then to practice those things. And so I just don't know that I would have even teased out or nuanced any of those thoughts to that point unless given that time to stop to just hold on and to, to work some of these things out. Practicing the way is built around the idea that information alone does not produce transformation. Let's be honest, most of us have sat under thousands of hours of teaching, mm-hmm. but we still ache for deeper change. To grow, we need to hear Jesus' teaching, and as he said, put them into practice. And we do that in community. To that end... The plan is to begin to practice the Sabbath over the next four sessions. With each of the four sessions, we offer exercises that work like building blocks, one on top of another. Everything we offer is invitational. We make recommendations. You have to make the decisions. This week's exercises are written out for you in the Companion Sabbath Guide. If you didn't get one from your group leader, we have plenty available at practiceintheway.org, either as a free download or in a print-on-demand version. But we recommend the print version so you can stay off your phones as much as possible on the Sabbath. We have three exercises for you this coming Sabbath. The first is to pick a time to Sabbath and just give it a try. There are three basic options. The Christian Sabbath on Sunday, which is best for most people since it's also our day of worship. The traditional Sabbath from sundown on Friday night to the same time on Saturday and the midweek Sabbath for those with non-traditional work schedules. Now, if an entire day is too much for you, that's fine. Start where you are, not where you feel like you should be. We recommend you set aside a three to four hour time period, either after church on Sunday or on a weekend night. Turn off your phone and just stop. Secondly, pick a beginning and ending ritual. In a traditional Sabbath ceremony called Kiddush, you begin by lighting candles, praying and eating a Sabbath meal with your family and community. And you end by praying and sharing your highlights of the Sabbath. You can do exactly that as we do, or you can let Sunday worship with church mark the start or come up with your own rituals. Finally, pick one to three Sabbath activities to enter into the spirit of Sabbath. So much has been written about the Sabbath, some writings as old as the New Testament. As you read, you discover that there are 12 common activities that fill up a traditional Sabbath. Lighting the candles, blessing the children, eating a Sabbath meal, 
gratitude, singing, worshiping with your community, walking, napping, making love to your spouse, reading, especially scripture, spending time alone with God, spending time with family and friends. This is not a to-do list, just time-tested activities that you're invited to grow into at the pace of your desires. Edit the list to your heart's content. Just do so in the spirit of Sabbath. Screen time and binge-watching TV may not be helpful after a long week. They don't draw us back to God. Mm. You may need to find some activities you deeply enjoy that do. The point back to Eden. For week one, pick one to three that your heart is drawn to and sound appealing to your personality and stage of life. And just see what happens. Resist the urge to judge your experience. You may love it, you may not. You may feel at peace or all fidgety. That's okay. Just let it be what it is and offer it to God in loving obedience. We also have a reach exercise for you in the guide if you want to level up and learn more. This exercise is to sleep for a full eight hours Mm. every single night for a week. Some of you can't do this because you have a newborn child or something, but most of you can, and it just requires discipline. Also in the guide, we have our recommended reading, which is part one of Sabbath by Dan Allender, and a link to a podcast from Practice in the Way. Also in the guide is a very short practice reflection that should take you about five or ten minutes to fill out. As Trevor Hudson, a scholar on Ignatian spirituality, once said, we don't change from experience. We change when we reflect on our experience. If you want to get the most out of this practice, you need to do it and then reflect on it. Yeah, we have three simple questions for you. As you write, be as specific as possible. And if you can, write it out in a narrative form. So in between your first Sabbath and your next time together as a group for session two, please fill out the practice reflection and come ready to share. But as you Sabbath, remember the heart behind it. The Sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate a spirit of restfulness in all of our lives. Now may the God of rest fill you with his peace and presence as you rest in him.